Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Ice can preserve life like in food, but can also harbour life for thousands of years. Now, frozen in the Arctic tundra or high up in the Andes, life can manage to survive in some pretty inhospitable places bathed in radiation or super salty water. But making sure ice is created in a smooth and controlled way can help preserve foods and keep airplanes safe. All this week and more, we look at some of the strange properties of ice. Now, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you're probably shivering through a winter like we are here in Melbourne at the moment. But if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, maybe you're wishing for the sweet reprieve and the coldness of winter. Or maybe you're going to cool yourself off in the heat of summer with some ice. But ice is a pretty interesting topic because ice isn't as simple as it first appears. In fact, it can come in a variety of different forms. Now, we know that when you boil water, you can see and move the boiling point by actually adding salt or changing the pressure conditions. That's how pressure cookers work. And that idea of changing the way water behaves into its transition from liquid to vapor uh, can go exactly in the other transition as well. That is the transition from liquid to solid. So just as we can change the properties of water or steam, quote triple point by changing the temperature and pressure by manipulating temperature and pressure we can change the way water behaves and turns into ice now why we would want to bother with all of this effort and why we'd want to study ice is something that seems a bit strange at first but researchers from the frontier in extreme physics from the Korea Research Institute KRISS have been digging into this exact topic and one of it relates to some of the most important parts of modern life now when you freeze food you like to make sure that you know you cannot kill the thing that you're freezing that's why snap freezing for example often works better than other types of freezing now for example when you take meat and you put it in the freezer and you freeze it at regular atmospheric pressure what ends up happening to the meat when you throw it in your freezer, is that it gets these large hexagonal plateite crystals forming in it. And these large plate type ice crystals have really, really sharp needle-like corners, which is obviously a problem if you're a piece of tender meat cell or muscle, because those ice needle-like tendrils damage the cells and the tissue. This is why when you unfreeze meat from your freezer, it's often less juicy and doesn't taste as good as just unfrozen meat. And if you freeze meat at high pressure, the chances are you get a different type of ice crystal forming. You get an ice crystal with a very different shape, one with not sharp corners, but one that's rounded. And that means there's nothing to puncture the cells inside the meat, which means that your meat tastes better when you defrost it. The same thing can happen to ice that forms on airplanes. When ice forms on the wings of airplanes, it can change the way the airplanes behave. Now, for example, on days with snow, or maybe one you'd simply go above 10,000 meters, or the temperature falls below zero, ice can form on an aircraft's wings. But when those ice crystals are abnormally shaped, you actually impact the shape of the wing, which degrades the lift. 
changing the way that the airplane maneuvers and takes off or makes it more inefficient. And so controlling and adjusting not only how much ice grows, but the type of ice crystal that grows and forms can make your food taste better and can make airplanes fly better. So that's why researchers from KRISS have been actually trying to dig into this topic. And they've invented a pretty cool way to form different types of ice by varying the compression rates. And they found a pretty neat area where ice transitions from forming three-dimensional ice crystals to two-dimensional ice crystals. And they've been studying it and how it could apply to all kinds of different applications. And it worked using a diamond anvil cell. Now, why we need diamonds to help study ice might seem a bit weird, but a diamond anvil cell is basically a way of producing incredibly high pressures in a small concentrated area. Pretty much ideal for this kind of study. And this device, this diamond anvil cell, can apply pressures up to 5 million times that of normal atmospheric pressure. If you squeezed ice that much, you get some pretty interesting things. For example, they compressed water at room temperature and squeezed it with a huge amount of pressure and produced instantly ice. And it had really cool three-dimensional octahedron ice into two-dimensional wing-shaped ice just by adjusting how much pressure they were applying to it at a given point in time. Which means that by changing the pressure levels, they can have really discrete control over the behavior in the formation of ice, which is something in industrial processes could add a lot of benefit. So now you don't necessarily need to get to an exact pressure or just overkill it by squeezing the hell out of it. You can actually go for specific types of pressure to get a shape of an ice crystal that would benefit you. This is some great work from the KRISS, published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Ice can be pretty impressive, and one of the most strangest forms of ice can be found high in the mountains, the Andes, in South America. Now, they're these distinct icy blade formations, known to the locals as nives penitentes, or penitent ones, which is taken from their resemblance to a praying monk in white robes. And they form in cold, dry conditions, normally about elevations above 13,000 feet. These penitentes, which can range from just a few inches tall to over 15 feet high, are found in some of the most hostile conditions on Earth. The extreme cold is obviously a key factor, but as it would be extreme winds and high levels of UV radiation due to the thin atmosphere around it. All of this makes the area where these are found in the Andes, and the fact that you're living on a shard or a blade of ice high, high above the sea ocean floor, well, that makes it very strange indeed to discover lurking inside these ice daggers, these petitentes, life thriving and flourishing. But that's exactly what researchers from the University of Colorado Boulder have been investigating since 2016 and recently published in the journal Arctic, Antarctic and Alpine Research. Now, these ticular 
penitentes were studying the Volcan Ulyaco in Chile, which is the world's second highest volcano. And they took a two-week expedition all the way back in 2016 to this arid landscape. Now, it's an incredibly remote air area that's very difficult to access, and, and it's about 16,000 feet above sea level. But when the scientists reached these locations, they found patches of red coloration on the ice, which is a telltale sign of microbiological life. Now, that had been previously observed in other snow and ice formations across the world, but it was the first time it had been found here in the Penitentes. And they took samples from these ice formations and dragged them all the way back to research them in detail. And they found two different types of algal species, of Chlamydonis and Chloromonas, in the ice, which is the first documentation of snow algae, algae that sort of thrives like you would have algae in the water. Just imagine that, but in snow. Actually thriving in these ice blades themselves. So this algae was able to survive not only in the freezing cold, in this lump of ice, but also in the high UV radiation, which for a microorganism is actually pretty devastating. It's the first time researchers have found snow algae at such a high elevation and at such extreme conditions. It goes to show that life can really survive in places that doesn't make any sense that it could survive in the first place. Really remote, exposed places with high radiation levels and, well, very, very cold, which are literally living in ice, life was still able to form and flourish. Now, these ice formations in the Andes are awesome in their own right, but they also might be something that gives us an, a way to research and investigate what could happen far out in the solar system or in other planetary systems. For example, penitente-like formations have been recently discovered on Pluto, and it's speculated that they would exist on Europa, which is one of Jupiter's moons. As well as that, the Atacama region in Chile is considered to be on Earth pretty much one of the best analogues for the soils of Mars. Throw all these things together, and you can find that a lot of these extreme places here on Earth are actually pretty close analogues for potentially extreme places in the solar system. Which means by studying these amazing forms of life here on Earth in strange places, we can get a real insight to how life may form outside of Earth, across the solar system, and beyond. And that's why researchers like Laura Vera Mercati and others from University of Colorado Boulder have been trying to piece together the mysteries of these penitentes and ice formations in the Andes, because they can shed light on life, not just here on Earth, but across the universe. Now, from one tale of frozen life in the Andes, all the way to the almost opposite end of the planet in Alaska. Now, in Alaska, researchers from the University of Washington have been digging through layers upon layers of frozen tundra. And what they've been hunting for is, well, an environment potentially similar to that can be found on Mars or Saturn's moon Titan, or even other further extrasolar objects. And by basically digging through the Arctic tundra, they're hoping to uncover hidden bacterial communities that have been thriving and living in some not just harsh conditions, but pretty bizarre ones. Now, life in extreme conditions, as we spoke about before, like high in the Andes, is always managing to find a way. But the University of Washington team, including lead author Zachary Cooper, 
have been studying what is known as cryopegs. Now, a cryopeg is basically a trapped layer of sediment which has water in it. But the problem is that water, for whatever reason, is so incredibly salty and super saline content that it remains liquid well below freezing temperatures. Which means that this layer of sediment soaked with salty water basically stays liquid whilst up above and below it are large sheets of ice. Now, it's a pretty amazing thing to think about because the water in that sediment was trapped there thousands of years ago. Now, that means these Alaskan cryopegs can be isolated containing water from tens of thousands of years. And when you have a community and you trap them in isolation for a long period of time, they can change and adapt and thrive without the presence of outside predators or threats. Now, we see this on islands all the time where animals either grow or shrink in size or change depending on the absence of predators. But obviously there's no animals trapped in here, but there is a lot of bacterial communities. And you end up with all these strange life forms perfectly adapting to this uniquely isolated piece of trapped salty seawater. Now, researchers like Zary Cooper have been studying permafrost, which has got trapped in it salty seawater from 50,000 years ago. And it's pretty amazing. Now, cryopegs were first discovered by geologists in northern Alaska many decades ago. Mostly the major field site was Utkavik, which is found or researched into by the US Army's Cold Regions Research and Engineering Laboratory. And they were trying to explore these large wedges of freshwater ice that they found in the permafrost. But while they were hunting for freshwater, they actually found some subsurface brine, uh, especially when they researched that particular area in the late 2000s. Now, why researching brine is particularly significant is because when you end up with super salty water, 14% salt content, that's normally enough, to say, to kill any microbial life living in it. If you put that much salt into a canned good, for example, you'd get no bacterial contamination, but you probably also wouldn't have something that you want to eat because that's pretty salty, much like seawater. But that also means that with those very high salt concentrations, it doesn't freeze. And that's pretty amazing to think about because not only have you got liquid water still, but you also have water that shouldn't really be very hospitable to life itself. Now, scientists aren't exactly sure how these cryopegs have formed, but they believe that it may have been a former coastal lagoon which was then stranded during the last ice age. When the rest of the rain turned to snow and the ocean receded, moisture evaporated from the leftover seabed, which was then covered, sealed up by the permafrost. So all of that briny water became trapped beneath a layer of frozen soil. Now, actually to get to this trapped layer, the researchers themselves have to climb a couple of meters down a ladder and then move along a tiny tunnel through the ice. They basically scrape their way through this and then drill by hand to gather these core samples four to, in four to eight hour shifts. They're basically mining in a tiny little mine, these 50,000 year old collection of salty, salty frozen water, or rather not frozen, surrounded by all this ice. But what they've discovered inside this ice is a 50,000 year old thriving microbiological community with co-evolving with viruses and microbes all living together in these really, really old pieces of ancient seawater. Dominant bacterium in it is the Marinobacter, which means it was actually from the ocean originally, which confirms the hypothesis for how this formed. But it's a good way of actually seeing what early life was like in some of these regions. 50,000 years ago is, geologically speaking, quite young. 
but it's still interesting to see what 50,000 years ago bacteria was actually doing in our oceans. And when you get an idea of that, you can think about what might form in other places. For example, Mars harbored an ocean of water in the past, but now there's still frozen ice caps there. It's possible if there was a saline concentration that there could be a similar formation occurring there. Titan, the moon of Saturn that NASA has just announced it's going to head to quite recently, is also rich in lots of other forms of ice, some hydrocarbon ice and other forms as well. It's very possible that due to a mineral concentration in those ice sheets, it's very possible that you could end up with a trap layer of liquid water. And where we see liquid water, we know, as again evidenced by this research, you can end up with life forming and thriving. So this is some great research from the University of Washington, which outlines how life and bacteria and viruses can co-evolve together in some of the most inhospitable conditions, super salty liquids that would normally kill any other life that we know at that level, but also stay trapped in isolation, frozen like Captain America in ice for 50,000 years. There's some pretty cool, incredible things to think about that may help us find life across the solar system and beyond. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. So from trapped pieces of ice in Alaska all the way to the Andes, we found out how life can thrive and thrive when ice provides the right conditions for it. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.